0: everyone and welcome to The Ranking of the Stars, a podcast in which I, Jack D'Loboblick, and my lovely, Luscious, Luscious Lost at Sea Wife, actually had something to do with the movie this time.
1: Mm-hmm. Don't
0: expect it to ever happen again.
1: Hi,
2: I'm Emmeline D'Loboblick.
0: Watch, in chronological order, every single movie that has won the Oscar for Best Picture and rank them according to however we feel at the time. Mm-hmm. And today's movie is.
2: Mutiny on the Bounty.
0: Alternatively titled, Commotion on the Ocean.
2: <laughs> I love when you come up with uh, alliterations that, and all that.
0: That might be a, a new bit I do from now on, coming up with alternative titles for the movies, because.
2: Ooh, that would be good. I don't
0: have enough work to do, so,
2: <laughs> decided
0: to give myself more poster
2: poster this is
0: my first time seeing it yeah that's a that's an odd scene to choose to put on the poster because
2: it has nothing to do with also with the movie
0: yeah this is
2: just to be clear on the on the poster we don't necessarily see there's a a tiny piece of boat that's not even the boat that uh, that no that looks like a speedboat yeah and also, it, it's the, one of the main male protagonists and the woman he falls in love with, but... No!
0: The w- woman he falls in love with was a a Haitian woman. This is... Yes. This is a white lady.
2: Uh, yeah, but she has, uh, she has a oh, flower has... here in her hair <laughs> and the, the pattern on her clothes, mm. I think that's supposed to be the woman that she, he falls in love with. They
0: whitewashed in her. In Tahiti.
2: <laughs> yeah, they definitely whitewashed her.
0: mm Mm, nice. he doesn't
2: fall he doesn't have any other anybody else in the in the movie so it has to be her yeah it
0: has to be her and their romance is not at all the main focus of the plot it's a not tiny little tiny little side story but they're they're playing it up here on the poster yes the romance angle so
2: it's there's a mainly uh yellow background with uh mutiny on the bounty at the top written in blue then we get the names of the uh, two um, male protagonists written in uh, red, and then a couple more, uh, a few more pieces of information. A
0: descending list of names that get smaller the lower they go.
2: Yes, yeah, smaller and smaller. And
0: these other people are in here too, I guess.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... I mean, not completely terrible, but also n- it has nothing to do with the movie.
0: Yeah, at least it's not just heads, but also this is incredible false advertising. This is not... no.
2: It almost looks like a romantic comedy poster.
0: It certainly makes it seem more, way more romantic than it is. Yeah. That uh, romance is a much larger part of the plot than it is. Yeah. Slight step up from just the disembodied heads, but also... Not, not, we're ac-
2: not, you we were not there, not quite there, not accurate,
0: yeah. yeah, middling, middling at best,
2: yeah. Shall we move on to characters and actors? Save
0: me from this poster,
2: <laughs> I will. All right, characters and actors, we have Clark Gable returning,
0: yep, the one two um, punch, yep,
2: yeah. uh, no he,
0: mustache this time,
2: no mustache,
0: sans mustache.
2: I have something about that in the fun fact,
0: <gasps> is it um, like a, I am a. a henry cavill did they have to spend 30 bajillion dollars to go back and digitally remove his mustache no in the 1930s
2: (laughs) no but i do have a fun fact about uh, him not having a mustache in this film so clark gable uh plays fletcher christian uh charles lawton plays uh captain Boo. franco tone plays roger byam Herbert Mundine plays Smith. Herbert Mundine is a returning actor because he was the butler in Cavalcade. Yep,
0: Alfred Bridges, the, the man who was plowed over by a carriage.
2: <laughs> yeah. We have Eddie Quillen, who plays Ellison. Uh, and I just put the names of the two um, Tahitian women that they, women that, uh, they meet. Uh, Movita Casaneda plays uh, Tehani. And Mamo Clark plays Mamo.
0: Oh, they actually kept her name?
2: Yeah, they actually kept her name.
0: And for Herbert Munden, this will probably be the last time we ever see him because four years after the filming of this movie, he died in a car accident.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I don't think he was in any of the the other movies that we're going to watch for Best Picture.
0: Taken too soon.
2: Yep. Some facts about the movie. Uh, It was directed by Frank Lloyd who's a returning director because he directed... Cavalcade? Cavalcade, yeah. Um, then based... You wouldn't know
0: it. This one stays way more on topic than Cavalcade. <laughs> yeah. I guess he learned his lesson. Or stopped doing drugs.
2: <laughs> one or the other. It's based on a 1932 novel by the same title, written by Charles Nordoff. And James Norman Hall,
0: which is in turn based off an actual historical event.
2: Yes. Also coming to that in the front. Mm.
0: Stealing your lines, sorry.
2: <laughs> no worries. Uh, and it was uh, distributed by MGM.
0: Yeah, we got to see the lion yes, in the beginning. It's, it's not it's the sad. first time, but this is.
2: But it was better quality yeah. than the other ones. The other times we've seen it. They
0: do seem to use different lions.
2: Yes. It was released on November eighth, nineteen thirty five The running time is hundred and thirty two minutes And the budget at the time was um, uh, one million nine hundred and fifty thousand dollars. It had made um almost uh, four and a half million dollars,
0: yeah, not super expensive because the majority of it just takes place on that boat. yeah, but man, what a logistical nightmare Making... they,
2: yeah, i'm gonna I'm gonna come to that too because they had a bunch of different locations, yeah. So I had to, like, take the boat uh, there, take all the people there, and yeah.
0: Just filming on a ship. Ugh.
2: Yeah, that's what they had to do. Fun facts? Fun facts. Fun facts. Okay, so Mutiny on the Bounty is based on historical events. Uh, The Bounty was a ship of the Royal Navy, the British Royal Navy. Yep. Uh, Its mission was to support (laughs) slavery in the british west indies oops (laughs) oopsie Uh, by acquiring breadfruit plants from tahiti and transporting them to the west indies in order to feed the slaves yep Uh, the bounty left on december 23rd 1787 and first sailed to cape horn but there was such bad weather that they decided to shift to the east and uh, go through the indian ocean they arrived in Tahiti on October 26th, 1788, and after five months in Tahiti, the crew uh, set sail on April 4th, eight, uh, 1789. Uh, the, yeah, I messed up the, yeah. <laughs> the date in my, in my notes. The mutiny broke out on April uh, 28th. 1789 so they
0: were back out of sea for less than a month yeah they decided they would they'd rather go back yeah wait uh, a minute but, this sucks
2: yeah but i won't say uh too much about that because i don't want to spoil your synopsis um the film had a variety of locations as i just said a couple minutes ago it filmed in french Polynesia, tahiti uh Madere bay in, uh in california Monterey Harbor, San Miguel Island, uh, South Beach Harbor, which is south of San Francisco. And they had a, a couple more locations that I didn't didn't note here, but
0: huh.
2: yeah.
0: Didn't seem like then, there were that many places in the movie. There's just like the harbor, there's Tahiti. I know. And the rest is just rooms in ships and houses.
2: I know, but they, that's apparently they had a, they had a, a lot of different locations for filming. Huh. I don't know why. Uh there are other versions of this movie.
0: Yeah, this is one of those movies that gets retold over and over.
2: Yeah. The first the earliest version was uh from uh 1916. It was a an Australian and New Zealand production uh directed by uh Raymond Longford. Then there was a a 1933 Australian movie. Entitled, In the Wake of the Bounty, starring Errol Flynn as Fletcher Christian.
0: Wow, only two years prior to this. And they did not waste any time in just doing it again. Hollywood has always been out of ideas.
2: Well, I also don't know how well it exported. Because the 1960 and 1933 versions of the movie uh, apparently didn't do too well, so they probably didn't really explore it internationally.
0: Was it made in America? Then not a real movie.
2: (laughs) Then we have a 1962 version, which was a color movie for this one, uh, which was over three hours long Jesus, and starred Marlon Brando as Fletcher Christian. Marlon Brando? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Uh, and, before he got all old and jowly, I guess.
2: Yes. And then the last version so far that I've found was uh, from uh, 1984 um, with Mel Gibson as Fletcher Christian and Anthony Hopkins as Captain Bly. MGM tried to develop two sequels. In, Which and... is three
0: more sequels <laughs> than we need.
2: In 1940, they tried... To They were thinking about doing a, a sequel just about the life of Captain Barfar Rooney. And then in 1945, uh, MGM and uh, Frank Lloyd wanted to uh, develop a, a sequel just about the life of uh, Fletcher Christian. But neither of these projects were ever made. Darn. Um, this was the highest grossing movie of 1935. And it received eight... Uh, Academy Award nominations and I'm gonna say it says eight but really uh, there are only five categories there's one category for a Best Actor where three actors are nominated uh, so it counts as eight nominations uh, so eight Academy Award nominations including Best Director, Best Actor for uh, Gable, Lawton and Tone, Best Screenplay, Best Film Editing uh best music but it only won best picture
0: so the whole thing overall was good enough to win but no individual piece was (laughs) good enough to win yeah okay sure
2: um then we uh come to that uh, fact about clark gable's mustache uh for historical accuracy Char Gable had to shave off his mustache because sailors in the Royal Navy in the 18th century had to be completely clean-shaven. So he wasn't allowed to have a mustache in well, this one.
0: you can't have your beard getting caught in the ocean.
2: Uh, no, not in the wind, not in anything. And then uh, last piece of information, the, there was an excellent reception of the movie at the time. With a writer, Andre Senwald, writing for the New York Times, that the movie is, quote, grim, brutal, sturdy, romantic, made out of horror and desperate courage. It is as savagely exciting and rousingly dram- dramatic a photoplay as has come out of Hollywood in recent years.
0: Photoplay? End
2: quote. Yeah. And it, to this day, it still has a 96% approval rating on Rotten Tomato. Yeah, that's it for, the, for my fun facts
0: the plot let's do it the longest synopsis I've written so far at
2: I feel like every movie that we've done in the last yeah, two or three uh, episodes is the longest synopsis they
0: keep getting longer and longer I'm going to be writing novellas by the end of this <laughs> Which is weird, because the last movie we watched was one of the shortest films we watched, but it was <laughs> the longest synopsis because it was so dialogue-heavy. Yeah. This was just a, a long movie. Yes. Yep, over 5,000 words and eight pages. Here we go. Opening credits roll over a static painting of a ship, and then the forward tells us that in December 1787 mm-hmm. hms bounty lay in portsmouth harbor on the eve of departure for tahiti in the uncharted waters of the great south sea do you know what hms stands for
2: uh his majesty something
0: his majesty's ship
2: his ship
0: i looked this up right before we started his <laughs> majesty's ship it's mine says the king uh, the bounty's mission was to procure breadfruit trees for transplanting to the West Indies as cheap food for slaves. Neither ship nor breadfruit reached the West Indies. Spoilers. Forward. Uh, mutiny prevented it. Mutiny against the abuse and of harsh 18th century sea law. But this mutiny, famous in history and legend helped bring about a new discipline based upon mutual respect between officers and men by which Britain's sea power is maintained as security for all who pass upon the seas. Uh, That ain't real. But we'll go with it. Eight o'clock and all is well. Misty weather, says a crier, as a line of men led by a naval officer march urgently by. Uh, These are all... Audience, if you've ever seen Pirates of the Caribbean, they are dressed like the... uh, the royal navy Mm -hmm. people know like white pants uh shiny black shoes and the like the coat and the tricorn hat Yep, marching with purpose they come to a tavern named the royal george and the man in front calls for a halt and they peer in the windows inside a young couple sitting against the wall receive a mug of beer but as the young woman brings it to her lips she sees the men at the window Press gang, she screams, but it's too late. You know what a press gang is? I do not. Press gangs are how they would fill vacancies in a ship. They would just go around to bars around the harbor, and they would just kidnap people Mm. and do exactly what they do in this movie here and say, you're in the Navy now. And it was, uh, sometimes they wouldn't even get them while they were conscious. They would wait until they (laughs) drunk themselves into a, a blackened stupor, and you'd pass out drunk, and then you'd wake up on a ship. Oh, yeah, you would just, you had no choice in the matter. You would just get, you'd get chucked on the boat and you had to go.
2: Not a great surprise when you woke up from a from hangover.
0: No, and you know, if there are bars and establishments where there's a non-zero chance of you getting forced into a multi-year sea voyage against your will, <laughs> maybe find a different bar. I don't yeah. know. The press gang enters, and the officer in the lead tells the men inside to bow their heads and weep. They're in the King's Navy. And this is uh, Clark Gable, Fletcher Christian, being uh, tall and broad-shouldered and handsome. He looks exactly like George Clooney in this movie. Like a clone of him. It is spooky.
2: Yes, there are definitely some scenes where I can see Clooney in him.
0: I can absolutely understand why he was a leading man in Hollywood for so long. What ship, sir? Says one of the the people being kidnapped. Uh, The bounty for the South Sea. The South Sea? That's the end of the world. Who's the captain, sir? Captain Bly. Upon hearing this, one of the men tries to flee, but is seized immediately.
2: Yeah, because apparently Bly was already uh, well known for punishing people. He had made a reputation for himself.
0: Yeah, being brutal.
2: In the movie and in real life.
0: Uh, How long will we be gone? asked the man of the young couple. Two years, lad. Upon hearing this, his wife pleads for him not to be taken since they just had a baby, but her pleas fall on deaf ears. She starts like wailing and grabbing. Yeah. And you're like, it's too long! It's the, too it,
2: long! And that's Ellison uh, and his wife.
0: Yeah, Ellison. Cut to a rich middle-aged couple in their mansion, uh, and the man is talking about the bounty being England's new venture in science, trade, and discovery. So who else but Sir Austin Byam's son should go? But two years, sighs the matron. Uh, Then Sir Austin Byam's son enters in his officer's uniform and says, Behold, the eldest son of the sea and heir to all its oceans. Yeah, these are all upper crust, uh, rich shits. The uh, older gentleman has on a powdered wig. Uh, the mm-hmm. matron has on this huge, gaudy dress. One of those you know, hoop skirts that yeah. uh, projects out like damn near a foot o- away from her hips.
2: Yeah.
0: He makes three promises, the young man does. To get his mother a necklace with pearls the size of coconuts. <laughs> to be an admiral upon his return. And to name an island after his father. I called it his father, but I don't think this uh the older gentleman is his father. I think he's just some like friend of the family. And we never get to know what happens to Byam's father. Because he has the older gentleman has his own title and he has a different last name. So I don't think really? that, yeah, I don't think that's his dad.
2: Well I definitely I did not catch that when we were watching the movie.
0: The older gentleman tells him to forget the island, just be sure to make a dictionary of the Tahitian language. That is his uh Entire purpose for being on this voyage. They toast to the voyage of the bounty and the scene ends. Next morning at the harbor, a is getting a ride in a small boat to the bounty and asks the driver if the bounty is that big ship over there. He's just uh, walking down like a a stone staircase to get in a little uh, rowboat to be rowed out Mm -hmm. to, because all the ships, they're not on docks. They're just like floating out in in the harbor. You have to get uh, taxied out there to get onto them. And he points to a big ship and says, is that the bounty I'm getting on? Uh, No, that's the flagship. There's your little pint pot, replies Mm -hmm. the guy in the boat. And he points to a little, uh, a much smaller ship. And the bounty is really tiny. Like, being stuck on that thing for two years, you're asking for madness. Mm -hmm. Because it's not even, like, 20 feet from side to side. Mm -hmm. It's way too small for that many people for that long. You...
2: Then again, the the boat that they got for uh the movie was like a a smaller replica of the the actual. Okay, so
0: that was not true to life. Yeah, not true to life. Yeah, because I I saw its size. Like, oh no, I yeah I know nothing about you know being on the ocean for long periods of time. But even I know that that's no good.
2: Yeah, because uh, I think in doing research for the uh, for you know facts and fun facts about the the movie, I think. That the actual bounty had uh, three masts. And this one and only this has one two. this one two. Yeah. So it was a, a much smaller replica.
0: It ain't the size that matters, though, says the uh, rowboat taxi driver. It's the salt in the lads that man it. Hmm. On the bounty, uh, the deck is a madhouse with merchants selling good luck charms, treasure maps, and jewelry for trading... Uh, and a family saying goodbye to their sons, fathers, and husbands. It's... Isn't
2: there a prostitute also trying to go around trying to get sailors? Maybe. There's, this, there's There's a woman going around to, trying to approach a bunch of sailors, and Fletcher, uh, Christian, at some point, just, uh, okay, shoo, go.
0: There is some woman h- hanging on to, to Fletcher's arm as he boards the ship who asks him, like, where his wife is, and he uh, jokingly replies, oh, she married a sailor, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, there's people, there's merchants, like, selling just necklaces and stuff to trade with the, the native Tahitians once they get there. There's people saying, like, oh, this is a treasure map for the island. Yeah. You know, clearly snake oil salesmen. And they just, they're wandering around with, like, big boxes just, like, of, of junk hanging off their necks. Yeah. Last-minute uh, desperation purchases. <laughs> Fletcher walks through the madness and goes below decks where he's told that the man from uh, the young couple, Ellison, uh, tried to run away from the ship, does not want to go. He pleads with Fletcher that he can't take two years at sea, but Fletcher says he can, and if Ellison has any problems during the voyage, to find Fletcher and he'll make things right. Now go say goodbye to your wife and son, who Fletcher has allowed to come on so he can say goodbye. Yeah. Uh Fletcher gives him a pep, pep talk about how Fletcher was the same way when he first went to sea. And uh, before you know it, you'll be uh, seasoned and you'll come home to a hero's welcome and you'll uh, be a, a seasoned sailor with barnacles growing on you. And...
2: Yeah, he makes him a promise that he doesn't get to hold uh, over the course of the movie, though. He makes him a, a, the promise to, you know, to be fair and to always be, essentially, what boils down to, like, I'm always going to be on your side.
0: Yeah. Back on deck, Fletcher introduces himself to Byam as acting lieutenant and master's mate. He is to be Byam's instructor in navigation, seamanship, and trigonometry. Mm. Uh, we then see an old drunk man with a peg leg being hoisted onto the ship in a net along with a bunch of luggage.
2: And at that point, both you and I thought that it might be the captain.
0: Yeah, we thought that this was Captain Bly because he is, <laughs> from the second he comes on screen, this man is a dumpster fire of a human being. Like, he's got uh, a mostly empty whiskey bottle in his hand already. He's clearly intoxicated. He's got a peg leg. Yeah. He's uh, disheveled and he is just a mess, and he's being brought up sitting on top of a bunch of crates in a net, which uh, turn out to be his uh, alcohol supply for the entire trip, which I did not catch the first time, but <laughs> saw upon uh, rewatching for the synopsis. That entire thing is just his alcohol, yeah. and he's riding it up in the net.
2: There has to be if you're on a ship, if you're uh, with a bunch of sailors, there has to be at least like one drunk.
0: He's the, the ship. yeah, at least one, if not all. Fletcher brings him over to buy him and introduces him as the ship's surgeon, Mr. Bacchus, who has never told them his real name. Uh, Don't remember it, says Mr. Bacchus. Mm. He's the, they basically acknowledge that he's the comedy relief for oh, the yeah. entire ship. Uh, so much of a, a voyage depends upon a joke at the right moment, they say later. Uh, Byam is then taken below to meet his fellow midshipmen, Mr. Stewart and Mr. Hayward, who are all clones of each other. They all. Yeah,
2: all three of them look in, like they're interchangeable.
0: The, it's the same problem we had uh, when we watched All Quiet on the Western Front, where all the young guys look exactly the same and behave pretty much exactly the same. Yep. Uh, Fletcher Christian has. Uh, he has a friendship with Biam, yes. but I didn't even realize that, that it was Biam that it was yeah, specifically Biam cuz they all look so similar. I thought he was just hanging out with all three of them <laughs> in a rotation throughout the movie. And then when we get deeper in and he has a special relationship with just one of them, I'm like, "Oh, I guess it was just one of those those three guys."
2: Yeah. Because all of them, yeah, all of them are like tall and uh, very uh, slim. They all have blonde hair.
0: Tall, yeah, tall, skinny, young, blonde, uh, posh. Yeah. Yeah, upper crust because they're they're in training to become the the next uh, generation of the officer class. Yes, is what they're doing. Uh, after and they all they have their own uh, room. They all stay in the same room with hammocks. So. Mm-hmm. Which is more than you know the basic crewmen get. We just have to sleep down in the hold yeah. altogether. Uh, after that, we see the ship's hapless cook named Smith. That is uh,
2: Herbert Mundane. Yep,
0: that is Mister Bridges from Cavalcade, asking the ship's clerk if he would call Captain Bly a gentle officer. He like scoots up while uh, I think it's the the purser mm-hmm. for the the ship is just leaning on the rail and he just kind of scoots up and is like is is Captain Bly nice? <laughs> Would you call him a gentle officer? Uh to which the purser replies, "If I was you, I wouldn't be calling him anything." Mm. And then he goes on, uh the cook goes on about how he just wants to know cuz he has a nervous disposition and uh his his mother got startled when she was pregnant with him and he's been nervous ever since.
2: <laughs> what an explanation.
0: Yep. Captain Bly then arrives in a dinghy. And tells Flitch, Fletcher to clear the deck of the rabble. His words, not mine. And there's one of the merchants who doesn't want to... Like, I have my rights, I can stay on till you're uh, setting off. And then Fletcher just grabs him by the the scruff of the neck and the seat of the pants and just chucks him off the ship yeah. <laughs> over the side. Captain Bly, a short man who kind of looks like a goblin. Yeah. He has a, a Napoleon complex. Very, yeah, very small, but... uh very invested in his authority as we shall see Uh, the captain reads a paper that says they're to be included in a group flogging and asks one of the noblemen on board if they'd like to stay to watch the discipline Uh, the nobleman replies that the only discipline he knows is science and uh, Captain Bligh responds that he, if he thinks there's no science in using a cat of nine tails, he should see the uh, bounty's botson. It's spelled boatswain, but they always pronounce it botson. Both. Everyone is called to attention on deck as a small dinghy with a man hanging from poles by his wrist in the center arrives next to the bounty. You can already he he's already uh, been. This is partway through the process of being flogged because you can see strips of skin hanging off his back. It's yeah. one of the most gruesome uh, things we've seen in all the movies we watched so far.
2: That and hands hanging on the fence. Yeah, the hands yeah. hanging <laughs> on the fence from
0: uh, All Quiet on the Western Front. <laughs> yeah. Captain Bly has a book of naval rules and reads the rule that was violated, striking a Captain. And the punishment, which is to get two dozen lashes from each ship in the fleet, which totals over 300 lashes.
1: Jesus Christ.
0: The botsan climbs down to give the lashes, but is informed by an officer in the dinghy that the man is already dead. Bly was promised to show, though, and yells at the Bosun to do his duty. That's one of uh, Bly's favorite words. Duty! Uh, the botson complies, and a drum roll accompanies each strike. They like lead up to the strike. They do the and then they punctuate it with a, a whack. Uh, after only three hits, one of the midship- midshipmen faints. The camera wasn't close enough for me to pick out who it was, but no. it was somebody in the in the fancy clothing. Afterward, uh, they make ready to set sail, and we get a montage of everything being done, like climbing up the rigging, you know. Uh- Tying stuff down to the deck, people running and jumping all over the place, moving crates. It's a madhouse. Uh, Cheers from people watching on shore, and the bounty is off. Our first uh, indication of Captain Bly's disciplined fetish. You can, it's, it's the only thing he seems to really care about. Yeah, is and food. flaunting his authority, yeah, and you can see how his eyes just light up in the excitement and the joy he gets from inflicting pain and suffering on others. In the captain's quarters, we see Bly and Fletcher enter, and Bly remarks that it's their third voyage together, to which Fletcher replies, Not by my choosing. Mm. Bly is aware of that. He personally requested Fletcher because as a self-made man, he likes having a gentleman under his command. Yeah, Bly's not even... He doesn't even try to hide the fact that he likes screwing with people. He's, yes, you're a a nobleman and I'm not, and so I like having authority over you, and that's why I requested you.
2: And that will play, you know, all throughout the movie. There are definitely a, a, a number of scenes where... The differences between them, between their uh, behavior, is uh, really drawn.
0: Yes, these two are at odds uh, the entire film. Fletcher says uh, he admires him for being self-made, and Bly inquires, but for nothing else. Fletcher ignores him and asks about the sailing orders. That is usually... uh, Bly is constantly... He's super insecure as well, so he's yeah. constantly uh, paranoid that people don't agree with him or are plotting against him, and he's constantly fishing for compliments.
2: Well, that's the thing. Like, he knows that he knows that uh, he's punishing and disciplining the the sailors, like probably way too much but he enjoys it yeah
0: he gets off on it he
2: and but he he has to know that it's also not getting him the favors of the sailors
0: no yeah he he does awful shit constantly and then uh gets upset when his fellow officers are are not okay with him doing the awful shit he also laments uh the poor quality of the food they're sailing with that fletcher laments that Mm -hmm. Uh, and cautions the captain not to treat the men too harshly since they'll all be stuck together for the next two years i'm not interested in what you think says bligh i expect you to carry out whatever orders i give whenever i give them do you understand perfectly sir says fletcher and is dismissed
2: yeah, though, I'm not interested in what you think. Like, dude, this is somebody who's under your command and who's he's trying to help you. Yeah, no. So how about you forget your, uh, you forget about your rank and then shut up and listen to the to the advice. No.
0: Anytime anyone says anything, remotely challenging him, he basically just stamps his foot and says, "I'm the captain. I make the rules. Me, me." On the deck, the sails are full and good progress is being made. Uh, the cook throws a bucket of water into the wind and is yelled at by Bly. And Bly shows him how to check for the wind by uh, licking his finger. Yeah. And Byam is told by Fletcher to stand by for midshipman's school. Down in the midshipman's room, the three midshipmen are starting to squabble because one can't stand yowling water babies. He's the uh, senior of the midshipmen because he's been out to sea before, mm-hmm. so he has some experience, and he can't handle these these fresh baby faces who don't know stem from stern.
2: I believe that's two Stewart.
0: I think it's Hayward. Really, right. Hayward might be the most distinguishable of the three because I think he's the one with the the darker eyebrows.
2: Oh, you're right. You're right.
0: Uh, So, Byam frays the rope that holds the the offender's hammock up while. The offender's back is turned. He just takes out his knife and just saws at it a little bit. Yeah. So it's like cut halfway. Uh, byam then swings the lantern hanging from the ceiling on their room, which further upsets the one that was complaining because it makes him seasick. If he's been out at sea before, just the swing of a lantern, that's all it takes? All right.
2: But also, if you're going to be seasick, why choose a carrier being on a, on a boat?
0: Yeah, I'm definitely afraid of heights. So I'm going to become a skydiving instructor. Steward tells them uh, both to knock it off because he's trying to work on the navigation problem they've been assigned for school and can't understand it. Byam says that he'll help him if he has trouble during the lesson and brags about what a great sailor he is as Fletcher walks up unnoticed behind him. You know, I can do anything. This is the, the face that sailed a, a thousand ships, he says. Uh, he tells uh, Fletcher walks up and tells Byam to prove how good he is and sits down to give the lesson. Stewart tries to bullshit his way through the question and is floundering. He's like, well, you know, the closest point between t- two uh, locations is a line and, you know, just yeah. just trying to say words. Uh, he is saved by Hayward, then Stewart, then Byam, as they, one by one, all get sick from looking at the lantern and having to run to the railing to puke. And then uh, Fletcher laughs about this and then he looks at the lantern himself and starts to get a little a little dizzy a little dizzy and he goes ah and he walks out uh, as they're heading back down to resume the lesson Hayward kicks by him down the stairs they have this little hatch that they it's not a hatch in the floor it's like a little tunnel going down into the yeah. ship where uh, it's covered so you, they like grab on as they go down into it and then Uh, Byam goes first, and then Harry comes behind him and just kind of hangs off the the lip of the ceiling and then just boots him down the stairs. Byam runs back up and attacks Hayward. Captain Bly breaks up the fight and tells Byam to climb to the top of the masthead and stay there until he's called down as punishment. Uh, Fletcher mentions that it's very nasty weather to be sending someone up to the mast, uh, but Bly says that someone has to teach the men that this ship isn't a beer garden. Uh, he's right. It's really windy and uh, stormy seas. And this is what I was talking about with the difficulty of logistics because they're clearly just filming from the deck of the ship. So you mm-hmm. can see the ocean just going up and down in the background. Yeah. And what a nightmare it must have been to just keep everything stable and just keep the water off of everything. And I can imagine people actually getting seasick from this movie too because they bob up and down pretty dramatically a yeah, lot.
2: Yeah, you see some definitely like, some, uh, like rocky waves.
0: Yep. Uh, very mobile backgrounds. Back down in the midshipman's quarters, Stuart and Hayward start fighting over what happened to Byam, but Fletcher breaks it up and tells Hayward to get into his hammock. Uh, Hayward jumps into it, and it breaks and falls down because of the damage that Byam uh, did to its rope earlier. Although Stewart takes responsibility for doing it, and Fletcher yes. asks who did it. So it was me, sir, because he doesn't want Byam to get in any more trouble. So then Fletcher... Mm-hmm says come with me he takes him out into the hallway and then he checks to see that no one is listening he says good, good. <laughs> and then he goes back into his own quarters because he doesn't like hayward either night has fallen and the storm has worsened and by him has yet to be called down from the mass this we get uh, a far away shot of the ship and it is leaning precariously over. It is almost. Yeah,
2: both you and I had a gasp when we saw the. Uh, when we watched the movie because it, it looked like. It almost looked like it was going to fall over.
0: It w- was at a 45 degree angle or worse. Yeah. It was, yeah, tilted way over. And you know what this. It reminded me of. Have you ever seen, like, a professional uh, motorcycle races where they lean way down to go mm-hmm. around corners and their knees are almost scraping only yeah. like an inch above the ground. That's what this reminded me of. Ugh. Ugh. And yeah, by him still up there on the mast as this is happening. He uh, tied himself to the mast. So at this point, he just... If he didn't have that rope around himself, he would have fallen off long ago. He's just hanging by the rope around his uh, midsection. And everyone on the deck is just drenched and they're all... Another reason it must have been miserable to film this movie. Just everything must have been wet constantly, yeah. and with the outfits they have to wear too, all that clothing just getting soaked.
2: I didn't find that out. I didn't, and I, I didn't I look either. But I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if they just had people live on the ship also uh, as they were filming, because it would have been way too tedious and also costly to just. Bring them on the ship. Bring them back to shore at the end of the day. Yeah, I would not be surprised if people were actually living on the ship when they're yeah, especially the actual filming with
0: a an old timey ship like that. You get it out in the ocean, you can't get it back quickly. So. Yeah, yeah. Everyone is soaked. The uh, wind is blowing super strongly. Fletcher is in his cabin though, drinking with Bacchus and a man named Morgan that we haven't seen before. I think. Morgan is the man they've brought along to take care of the plants when they get them.
2: Yes, 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 yeah.
0: I don't, we never get a formal title for him or anything. He's just, he's just there sometimes. Bacchus entertains his drinking companions by telling them the story of how he lost his leg.
2: Which changes multiple times uh, over the, the course of the movie.
0: Yeah, he's like the Joker. You want to know how I got these scars? Back in 78, he was on a ship that came astern of a Yankee crew that fired their cannons into his ship. It's something about uh, how they hailed them, and then they weren't loud enough, and then the response was, well, is this loud enough for you? And then they shoot their cannons. (laughs) As he finishes the story, the ship is rocked, and all three men go tumbling. Fletcher then goes topside and sees Byam hanging from the mast, climbs up and brings him down. Uh, sending him below decks to see the surgeon. They comment in the room that this is nasty weather for Byam to still be up on the mast.
1: Yeah.
0: Bly sees this and reprimands Fletcher. He was the one who sent Byam up to the top of the mast, so he's the only one who's allowed to decide when he gets to come down. God damn it. Put him back up, he says. Uh, below deck, Bacchus is telling Byam how he lost his leg in action against the French off Jamaica. <laughs> Fletcher enters and tells Byam to get back up the mast, and Byam refuses until he learns Fletcher is the one who's brought him down. I've had, I've had my fill of up there. I won't go back. But then they say, well, Fletcher's the one who brought you down. He goes, oh, I didn't know. He's given uh, Bacchus's overcoat and some whiskey and returns to the mast. We have a short scene of him climbing, because it's...
2: It's still windy. It's it's... It's still, like, rocky as hell. And... And he's got the bottle of whiskey in his hand, so he can't lose it.
0: Yeah, it's precarious, and there's a little bit of, oh, will he make it? And then he gets to the top, and he ties himself back in. He gives, like, a thumbs up Yeah. to, to Fletcher.
2: Once he gets to the top.
0: Yep. And then we have our first world map scene. We get those scenes that uh, happen in, like, Indiana Jones, where it shows the world map and the line moving from one location to the mm-hmm. next to demonstrate progress.
2: This is when they're uh, on the way to Cape Horn
0: yeah the line it starts in england and it stops off the northwest coast of africa the crew is standing on deck with their hats off listening to a prayer led by captain Bly. there's lots of times in the movie where the entire crew is called to attention and that means taking your hat off which mm-hmm. the majority of them are not wearing hats anyway in their day-to-day so they just they only put them on so they can take them off yeah and be at attention After the prayer, he reminds everyone that they are at sea under the Articles of War, which gives him the right to order punishment. Oh boy, oh boy.
2: Punishment again. You
0: can feel the excitement in his voice. I get to order punishment. He then calls forward three men who he says have been doing a shitty job. Thomas Burkett, a thief who chose the Navy over prison, He goes, "Uh, You've been to prison before and you chose the Navy over it. Well, you may not have made the better decision, as you'll soon see. Thomas Ellison, the young man from the opening that was separated from his wife and baby, and William uh, Muspratt. Their punishment is half rations for 10 days. As the three men walk away, uh, William Muspratt intentionally knocks something off the mast. He, like, it's like he takes a hammer and, like, knocks something. Yeah. It It's not clear, though. He's kind of blocking it with his body. Uh, Bly sees that, though, and orders two dozen lashes for him. Fletcher kindly suggests that it might be better for morale if Blight wasn't having the men beaten every five minutes, but Bly disagrees. More beatings might be the answer, in fact. <laughs> he thinks that Ellison did this at first, and then uh, Musprat uh, steps in to spare Ellison from the yeah. beating, but then they both get beat anyway.
2: Yeah. Because Ellison doesn't want to say it at first. He says, I I can't say. Yeah,
0: which may have been genuine. He may not have been paying attention. And then, yeah, Bly chooses to punish him because he doesn't like having information withheld from him. Bly will just find any excuse to have people beat, as we will soon see. Uh, Second map scene. Uh, We move from Africa to the eastern coast of South America. Uh, A crewman comes up from below decks as Captain Bly prowls the deck and says he didn't hear the call for him to be on watch because he was polishing brass for Byam. Byam confirms this, he's right behind the man, but Bly has the man beaten anyway. Uh, Any
2: reason. Any
0: reason. Any reason at all. Uh,
2: Even when there's a good explanation from
0: other people. Oh yeah, he doesn't care. Uh, Back to the map. We're at the east side of the very southern tip of South America. A man falls off the rigging into the water. Bly orders him to be hung from the rigging to dry when he's back on board to teach his uh, top man a lesson. Map again. We veer away from South America and out into the Atlantic Ocean. I think this is the one where it does like a little bunch of zigzags.
2: Yeah, that's when when there was so much uh, bad weather that they decided to, uh, to, instead of going... Down and around Cape Horn to just go east and go through the the Indian Ocean. And that
0: makes sense. There's no explanation for it in the movie, but they just they, they zigzag back and forth. Well, yeah. They were trying to find their way out of the bad weather. Uh, one of the crew is scrubbing the deck and gets up to get some water for his knees, which are raw and bloody. We get a like one second shot of his knees, and yeah. they they look gross. Like all the skin yeah. has come off him because he's just. He says he's trying to get the sand off, mm-hmm. which, yeah, I'm sure there would be sand all over the deck, always, constantly, and forever, and it's just rubbing his knees raw. Uh, Bly overhears that the man wants water and says, I'll give you water, and orders him to be keel hauled, which, for those who don't know, being keel hauled is you are tied to a rope and then the rope is cast over the front of the ship and all the way underneath it down the middle and comes back up the back and you are basically pulled down along the bottom of the ship mm. underwater and it's not guaranteed that Then de- you'll
2: come back alive? It's
0: not guaranteed death, but very low survivability because you are being dragged underneath a ship.
2: Yeah. What, what they're showing here is that he, essentially he's Tied to a rope and kind of being dragged along the side of the of the ship. He was underneath
0: it because they show like a one second shot of it's a it's a a doll mm, or something. Yeah, it's not yeah, a real person. Yeah,
2: it's very clearly a
0: doll. Yeah, a one second shot of something being dragged along the bottom of the ship. I mean, yeah, you are you're underwater and the man does not survive. And this is bly will take any excuse as we've already said but this is the most egregious like this guy just wanted some water and he just fucking murders this guy yeah, it is he
2: just all they had, all they would have needed to do was to call the the surgeon call the doctor and have him you know have him just apply some sort of like ointment on his he wasn't even uh, on asking his him knees for, or anything for that much
0: just yeah. like he would have been gone from his work for less than three minutes, but instead they slow down all the work on the ship to go through this the formal discipline process and then at the end of it have a, a corpse they have to deal with. So Yeah,
2: and that's that's another thing I didn't not understand really about the about all this punishment is like you only you have a limited amount of people on the ship who all seem to have their role assigned and this, if you're going to um, punish somebody so badly uh, that they're going to die, you're getting one less person to do the job correctly.
0: Or even if they don't die, like all the floggings he hands out on a daily basis, like he tears people's backs up.
2: No and... wonder they. No wonder the doctor needed so much alcohol, because that's mostly how they disinfected wounds at the time.
0: Yeah, and. If you're doing heavy manual labor and your back is just a mess of scars, yeah. you are severely crippling people's ability to work. Yep. Bad. Bad from top to bottom. Uh, then we're back at the map again. Uh, the line bounces off the southern tip of Africa and continues east. I think this is when they it actually touches land and they landed uh, Yeah, to resupply the ship. There's no wind, so the men are taking shifts, pulling the boat... Uh, in rowboats. The shift on break is eating uh, down in the hold and complain about the terrible quality of the food when Bly comes down and orders them back to the rowboats, even though they aren't done eating yet. And at this point, even some of the officers in midshipmen are like, they... They have. They're halfway through their meal. Like, they yeah, need, they're
2: not going to have enough energy
1: to do that. Yeah, this. they.
0: There are biological demands here. You need to actually give them energy if you want them to work. But the food that they're giving them isn't going to provide that anyway, because it's some of it's hard as a rock. Some of it's not even yeah. cooked. It's bad all around. Then we get a few minutes of the men in the rowboats complaining and then are back on deck. We have a scene of Bly uh, getting a report that a hundred pounds of cheese are missing from the ship's supply.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Bly is furious and gets even more furious when one of the crewmen reminds him that the cheese was taken to Bly's home on Bly's orders before they even left the port. Bly has the man tied to the rigging for being a liar,
2: which He's... is proven right uh, later in the movie because uh, what he has Bly has uh, dinner with some of the higher rank sailors, he... and he offers them uh, cheese. Yeah, that's the very... so you know that it's it's like his delicacy. That you know that it's what he likes.
0: Yeah, this man is being punished because he. Because he, he told was the trying to tell the truth. Because yeah. yeah, Bly didn't want his corruption to be uh, spoken aloud. You said the quiet part uh, out loud to to the rigging with you. The rowboats finally managed to pull the ship into the wind and celeb- To celebrate, the cook throws a bucket off the ship. <laughs> yes, uh, he does test for the wind every time, but. That seems to be uh, the majority of his task is just dumping stuff over the side of the ship. <laughs> and here he just throws the entire bucket off. And
2: yeah. And he's
1: like, oh, shit. Oh, oh,
0: shit. Yep. And looks around to make sure nobody saw and then slowly backs away. We move to the captain's quarters where Bly, Fletcher, Byam, Bacchus, and Fryer, who we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. I don't know what his position is on the ship. He's just another one of the officers, mm-hmm. uh, are all dining together. Bly offers Fletcher some cheese, uh, but he declines. Byam also declines, and so do Friar and Bacchus. No one wants this dirty stolen cheese. Bly, of course, gets mad over this and throws Fletcher and Byam out. Thank you, sir, says Byam as he leaves, because <laughs> he did not want to be there. He, yeah, this is a, a protracted scene where he offers the cheese to everybody and Fletcher declines, and he, Bly has this, he has the same look every time someone disagrees or is implying that what he's doing isn't correct, where he like very sheepishly like casts his face down like he wants to look at the ground and kinda of, like stares up for underneath his eyebrows. He's like, But you usually like cheese is what he says no, to Fletcher.
2: Not this time. Yeah, not
0: yeah, not today, says Fletcher. And then Uh, After he kicks Byam and Fletcher out, and the other two still don't want the cheese, uh, he stands up and starts yelling about, Oh, so that's how it's going to be, then. You're all against me.
2: Yeah, you're a horrible, horrible human being.
0: Yes, you are a monster. We then join some crewmen at the rail who are trying to catch fish to supplement the terrible rations. Uh, One is so hungry he eats the bait off the hook while the others aren't looking. They do kind of catch on, because the guy who was fishing says, If I, uh, if I could confirm what I suspect why i And he shakes his fist at the guy who ate the bait. They receive their food for the day, which is a six-inch rectangle of meat for six men. Non-specific meat, it's just a, like a, a chunk. And uh, they decide to use it as bait instead of eating it. They go up and complain to uh, Fletcher about the quality of the food first. And then uh, he says, well, if it's any consolation, the officers are in the same uh, boat as everyone else, to which they reply, not Bly, he's gaining weight.
2: Yeah, he's getting fat.
0: Yeah, he's getting fat on this voyage, and he's (laughs) the only one. Everyone else is starving. And then they choose to use the entire chunk as bait, which, if you're gonna, because they see some, like, sharks or something swimming beside the boat.
2: They see some, like, little, like, orcs or a shark or something like, yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, and then they choose to use the entire trunk, which, if you're going to do that, just, just use a piece. So if it doesn't work, you still have something to eat. But no, they just slap the entire thing on there. The gamble pays off, though, and they catch a shark. But as they're carving it up, uh, an officer arrives and demands a piece. This is the same officer that the cook asked about uh, if Bly was a, a, a gentle officer or mm-hmm. not. It's the, I believe it's the purser. He has a very hawkish face. It's very narrow and very severe. Severe face for a very severe man. One of the crewmen, Burkett, who was one of the three who got called out for being shitty earlier, uh, throws a piece into these officers into the officer's face and knocks him down. Uh, Bly sees this, and we fade into Burkett being whipped, and then to Burkett lying on his stomach below decks, uh, with the other crewmen around him, like. Blyde, I don't think, even says anything in the scene. It's just he sees what happens and you don't... You immediately... We just fade into him being <laughs> to Birkett being flogged because it's... of You know. You know what happens at this point. Bacchus comes to treat his back and tells the story of how he lost his leg while he treats him. It was a Spanish pirate off the coast of Tr- Trinidad this time. <laughs> he finishes treating Burkitt and tells a man with a fiddle to start playing as he leaves. The sun has set, and Fletcher and Byam lean their backs against the rail while they listen to the fiddle being played. Byam comments that he never imagined how beautiful music at sea could be. Stop that infernal jamboree, screams Bly. It's worse than two cats on a fence. Any opportunity to squash joy. He just cannot stand it. He hates fun. He hates joy. It's not
2: he hates humanity. Yes, really, because they're they're not necessarily uh, Fletcher, uh, Christian, and uh, and Byam in the scene are not necessarily like they're not laughing. They're not. They're just happy and enjoying like some little comfort at sea, and he just Bly just hates human beings and humanity.
0: He despises it. Yes. This lines up with my experience in the military because I have, I have absolutely run into to people who had the same disposition as Captain Bly and, if they were not as violent as him, it's only because they were not given the opportunity to be. Yeah. If that was within their power, they uh, absolutely would have gone to those, those depths and sunk even lower. But yes, they do get to this point where, it's not just about dampening people's spirits that are having a good time. It's like squashing even the potential yes. for hope yeah. to exist. They can they get to the point where they understand when hope is starting to blossom mm-hmm. and they they can nip it in the bud. Yeah. They can see it yeah. coming and just stomp on it. And that is where uh, Bly is at, where he has probably been at for years. He is very practiced at uh, Breaking Spirits. Fletcher tells Byam Bly sucks very hard and he doesn't know if he can keep his temper uh, for the whole two years. Byam responds that whatever happens, he's glad he met Fletcher. Back to the map, and the line finally reaches Tahiti. Before we get any shore leave, though, we get a scene in the captain's cabin where Bly tells Fletcher to sign a record of supplies, for the ship and how they were distributed. But Fletcher refuses because Bly has fudged the numbers to cover his abuse of the crew. He's he's put it down that he has supplied them with much more food than he actually has because yeah. he's been the one eating the food.
2: And he also uh, he's also uh, fudging the numbers, uh, the number of floggings and punishments.
0: Yes, because he doesn't want the, uh, the admirals back home to get a clear picture of what he's doing.
2: Yeah, they have to get you know, to keep records of everything.
0: And Fletcher even tells him that uh, he understands it's standard practice in in the Navy for the captains to skim a little bit off the top. Mm. The captain's privilege, mm-hmm. they call it. But uh, Bly is abusing this privilege way too hard and taking way too much to the detriment of the wellness of the crew.
2: Yeah, I mean, 100 pounds of cheese, yes. plus meat, Hundred, plus whatever else. I haven't
0: even eaten 100 pounds of cheese in my entire life. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I probably
0: have. What the hell are you going to do with that much that much gouda? They get into a yelling match, and Bly orders all hands aft. The whole crew gathers at the rear of the ship, hats off of course, And Bly reads from the rule book that he had when uh, that guy was being flogged in the opening that anyone who refuses to obey the order of his superior officer can be put to death and tells Fletcher to sign again. They have a barrel with the the book in Mm -hmm. front of him. So he's got it open there. He's making a whole theatrical production of this. Here's the book. Here's Fletcher. Here's what the rules are. I am giving you this order in front of the entire crew. And Fletcher capitulates with... You know, he said, let it let it be observed that I am signing. And yeah. he picks up and signs it.
2: I also took this scene for some reason. I, I don't know why necessarily in that moment, but I took that scene also as a... I feel like at that point, Bly is already seeing Fletcher as more definitely more human than him and and um as somebody who's compassionate towards the sailor and trying to appease uh you know any kind of uprising that might happen or anything so i took that scene as Bly showing everybody else on the ship that he because he's the captain he can also make fletcher comply and that that you know if you look at the hierarchy it goes uh, Bly, Fletcher, and Fletcher is, is, very, is very much a, somebody who's, who has to follow orders just like the rest of them. Yes,
0: he's being put in his place. Yeah. It's a, it's a dumb dominance thing. I, I am the top dog and you will roll over and show me your belly yeah. when I command it. In front of everyone, so in order to shame you. Fletcher does tell Bly after he signs that he's going to report him once they return to England, and Bly calls him a mutinous dog.
2: Remember what I said? When, uh, off my, I thought he called him a mutinous duck. <laughs> the way he talks, the way he uh, he talks, I thought he was calling him a mutinous duck. You've we're,
0: you've quacked your last quack.
2: We're at sea, so it would have made sense. Yeah,
0: and then uh, Fletcher gets really upset by that and says, "You take that back." And then Bly said, "I will say it again: mutinous, mutinous dog." dog. They're about to get into a fight over it, but they're interrupted by the lookout who spots land, and the drama is forgotten for now. As they pull up to land in the ship, the native people rush out in boats to greet them with gifts of fruit and flowers. There's like more, probably around 200 people just all lined up on the shore watching the ship come in and they're all super stoked people are just like running out into the water some of mm-hmm. them have boats but others are just like
2: they're just swimming they're just swimming
0: out to the ship yeah they're all super stoked and happy they bring them flowers uh they bring them fruit yeah the native people are super friendly and welcoming and they're you know, pleasant and they come bearing gifts and yeah. it's all cool and uh not at all how it actually was in real life i'm sure
2: no, but in the movie, it was a, a refreshing scene to see it, to have some uh, to have the mood alleviated for a few minutes.
0: Oh God, yes, people who aren't going to abuse or flog or try and murder you for uh, looking at you cross-eyed. Remember, remember what human interaction is like <laughs> without the threat of murder hanging over your head. What a novelty! Even the chief of the island, uh, Hidi Heidi comes out to welcome the travelers. He looks like Mark Twain. (laughs) He doesn't he does not have the same complexion as the other islanders.
2: I'm sure you're going to say what? To me, he had some a little bit of like Einstein in him. I feel like he he looked like a little bit like Einstein. I can can
0: see it. Mark Twain has a little bit of Einstein in him. Yeah, so so
2: mix of Mark Twain and Einstein. Or
0: is it that Einstein has a little bit of Mark Twain? They've all got the the heavy facial hair. Also (laughs) Do you see that thing on his arm?
2: I did not. What are you talking about? You didn't
0: see that thing on the back of the chief's arm? No. He had like a patch of...
2: Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah,
0: it looked like... It must have been some sort of medical condition. It looked like somebody had cut the skin off a coconut and just like glued it to his arm. It was so bizarre. It was just a really dark, very densely hairy patch and there was no hair anywhere else on his body.
2: No, but that happened. So, like there are people who
0: have that I'm I never ever seen anything like that before in my life
2: I've seen uh, I know a couple people who had much you know smaller than that but
0: he's he was bitten by a radioactive coconut mm. and he's slowly morphing into one The chief greets Bly and asks where King George is because the last time Englishmen were here they said that King George would be arriving on the next ship He also seems to know Captain Bly
2: Yes, they, it, they, they definitely know they each other. They
0: sailed together or something?
2: Yeah, they said they sailed together.
0: Yeah, under Captain Cook. Yes. Yeah, when earlier in, in Bly's career. So they're they're on good terms with each other. Uh, Bly responds that His Majesty is very sorry he couldn't make it. The Chief then explains that the deal was that if the King didn't come, he would be giving a hat. He would be given a hat. So Bligh acts like he knew, knew about this all along and has an officer fetch a hat from his cabin and gives it to the Chief. He, oh, yes, yes, of course, the hat, the hat. Go get the hat. And then he's brought the hat. I think the Chief is making this whole thing up and just knows what an idiot blight is, mm. and so he's just exploiting him for a free hat. <laughs>
2: I would not be surprised, and that would he would be doing, uh, like right, be doing it rightfully. So,
0: I, if he has worked with Bly before, he definitely knows what a, a bumbling uh, dipshit he is. So, Bly then tells the chief that he needs a thousand breadfruit plants, and uh, the chief says, "Yeah, sure, whatever, everything for you," he says.
1: Yeah.
0: And Bly says, "Oh, oh, thank you." Once again, n- I'm not at all how it actually went in real life. I'm sure <laughs> we'll
2: make it to that in the. A- Facts from after the the synopsis.
0: He then sees Bayam handing out jewels and such to the women and children and tells him he's now his close friend. The chief does this Mm -hmm. and will live in his home while he's on the island. Bly then gathers the crew and tells them that they are here to have fun. They aren't here to have fun. They're here to work, and the job isn't finished until they're back in Portsmouth Harbor. That thing I was talking about. He feels them. He feels hope blossoming, and calls an official meeting to squash it. Yeah. You are not here to have fun. You think this is a land of milk and honey, but it's not. And he also tries to block Byam from being able to stay with the chief? Yes. Saying, "Well, no, you have to report back to the ship every night." And then the chief is the only person in this entire movie who ever gets Bly to back down because he says, "You are captain on the ship. On the island, I am captain." And then Bly accepts that and says, "Well, you'd, perhaps it would be a, go- a good idea." And lets Bly him go.
2: Yeah, you remember the conversation between Bly and the uh, the uh island chief? The yeah, island chief uh, teaches him the word for friend.
1: For fr- yeah,
0: Tao, right? Uh,
2: yeah, and I, I I told you that for some reason it reminded me of <laughs> the, at nothing to do uh, with between those two scenes and between those two movies, but it reminded me of that scene in uh, Lord of the Rings in the Fellowship of the Ring, when they all go in the Moria and uh, they have to open a door and uh, it's written in elvish and it says speak friend and enter and uh, Gandalf gets, says the, the word for, for friend. I don't I don't know where it reminded me of that but that's what came to mind. The
0: password was a uh, password in elvish. Yes. <laughs> the final shitty cherry on top of uh, Bly's speech about how they're not here to have fun is that Fletcher is to remain on the ship in charge of reconditioning, so he'll get no shore leave at all. This is his punishment for defying Bly earlier about signing that piece of paper. Montage of native people working. We get to see them, like, catching fish in nets and, like, uh, carving coconuts. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that happens when they first come on board is they hand uh, a coconut to one of the crewmen and have him drink the milk. And he's never had a coconut before, so he goes, "It's milk, milk inside." They have cows on this island that lay <laughs> eggs.
2: Yeah, that was really funny. Yep. Yeah. They have cows that lay
0: eggs. They have cows. They yeah. They show them like climbing up the trees to get the coconuts, and just like throwing fish out of a net on onto shore. And I think they also show them like cooking a pig or something by like yes. burying it in the ground. Making a, yeah, just a pit to cook it in. And the cook is adopted by a huge family. He's just, like, part of the montage, he's dragged by one of the native women to this hut that has, like, o- almost, like, ten children in it. And yeah. he, like, points to himself and, like, me in there? And they all go, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they drag him in. <laughs> so he's just been, he's been forcibly given a family. Uh, we then see Byam in the chief's hut working on his dictionary of the Haitian language and complaining that there are are over three pages of just the different terms that they have for looking at people. It's like how uh, the Inuit people have 900 different words for snow. These yeah. people have way too many uh, words for looks. Uh, and-
2: we don't know exactly how much time has passed, but we know that before the some at some point in the in uh, the beginning of the movie we know that they're going to spend like four or five months. On the, on the island. Yeah, so. it does
0: not indicate how much time has passed, but they've all like gotten acclimated to the island and accepted yeah. by the natives. In...
2: And Bayam speaks Haitian. Yes, so.
0: he is semi-fluent in the language. Tahitian. And also has his shirt off. They have all gone partially native.
1: Yeah.
0: A young woman comes in and puts a ring of flowers on Bayam's head. He takes it off. She puts it back on and scampers away. Byam playfully throws it at her as she leaves, and she glances back with sparkling eyes. Uh, What would you call that look? Asked the chief. Hmm. They talk a bit about money, he tells them, you know, well, back in England, you need money to buy food. And the chief is just like, you you don't, there's no fish in the ocean or fruit on trees? You can't (laughs) just, England sound like it sucks. And then they hear a voice outside calling for Byam. It’s Fletcher who was granted sure leave after all, thanks to the Chief who put in a word for him. While Byam is outside greeting Fletcher, uh, the girl that was teasing him sneaks back inside the chief’s hut and scribbles ink all over the latest page of his dictionary. Fletcher, Byam, and the chief come back in and they all have a good laugh over the ink prank, which I would have been more upset about this. Yeah, he's cause... been
2: spending time, so much time just studying the language and putting this all together.
0: Oh, you rap scallion! you just ruined three weeks of work. Ha ha ha. Like, yeah, this is not... Well,
2: not only three weeks of work, but it's paper and ink, yeah. and those are, I don't know how rare it is, but it's certainly expensive.
0: Losing days of work is hilarious. Yeah. A woman suddenly appears in the doorway of the hut, locks eyes with Fletcher, and every single person on earth immediately understand that the two are destined to bump uglies. She's like she's framed in the doorway, this angelic music starts. There's almost like a glowing aura around her. Yes. And it close up of her face, close up of Fletcher's face, they lock eyes, the, the angels sing.
1: It's love at it first.
2: Some...
0: Yep. Destiny. It's Hidi Hede Hidi's granddaughter who says that Fletcher must be a king in his own country because he looks like Wendy. So he's he hasn't taken his shirt off yet since he's just arrived. He still has on his full naval officer uniform. But
2: yeah, but like I said last time, Clark Gable yeah. was extremely ridiculously handsome.
0: Looks like a king no matter what he's wearing. Byam and Fletcher are then invited by the women to go swimming and they accept when we see them again they're lounging on the beach with the ladies and fletcher is commenting on what a paradise it is and how it contrasts with life on the ship we haven't been flogged in days what a (laughs) life no one's died just for wanting to scrub their knees with water what a paradise as soon as he says that a horn sounds and the women race the men to see what's going on they're in they're on like the shore of this like little lagoon so there's a, a little patch there's land like right across them too so they uh, just rage each other by swimming across that little uh pond of water what's going on is that bligh has sent orders to for fletcher to report back on ship fletcher says uh sorry can't hear you over all these women and coconuts and the native man sent to find fletcher says he'll tell bligh that uh, he couldn't find christian This is also
2: the uh, the woman that he's uh, who's falling in love with him. um, Mamo tells the the guy to say just you know tell them that he can be found.
0: Yep, he he gave him the shore leave just so he could cut it short because he hasn't even been there half a day yet. He came on, got invited to go swimming, and then. Yeah, it can't even be more, more than, like, two or three hours after he arrived that Bly is trying to, to yank on his leash and, and get him back.
2: Yeah, give him a a, a short taste of freedom.
0: Yeah, just enough to, to make it sour in your mouth when I make you come back. And when the women get up, this is we get a little side boob. They're not wearing tops, which I'd if they're actually native island people they probably wouldn't have been wearing tops the whole time but yeah. when they rush out into the water everybody's got tops on and
2: they didn't the uh, they the women weren't we- uh, wearing uh tops they were wearing uh like sort of like skirts but their um their breast was uh covered by their hair
0: for all of them not, I...
2: all, not all of them but at least uh tahani and and Mamo.
0: Mm. yep you get a little side boob when they start swimming across the Likun this time and they're the, the pants they're wearing are so sheer and mm-hmm. they're just white that I thought they had taken them off when they came <laughs> up out of the wire like, whoa. <laughs> this went from zero to 60 real quick, but it's just it sticking to their skin. Fletcher goes to leave anyway, but as he nears the shore, he hears the sounds of celebration and pauses. Then we get some scenes of like them playing drums and like uh, dancing with their uh, hips like... Uh, while wearing grass skirts and flowers I think they thought Tahiti was Hawaii so they're just like hula dancing and banging on drums they've got like a a fire pit and everybody's celebrating and having a good time
1: yeah
0: Tahiti's granddaughter then walks out of the bushes and and the two kiss as an image of waves uh, fades in halfway for a second they smooch and uh, the angels sing and like yeah the waves fade in a little bit and then they break apart for a second, uh, and then they smooch again. And this time we get palm trees fading in instead of waves.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We cut back and forth from the celebration and Fletcher making out with the chief's granddaughter. At some point they're just lying on the ground. Uh, yeah,
2: it's one of you know one of those scenes where the woman like lay, uh, you know is laying down on the ground. Then he comes and lies down with her. And then the next scene, he's you know shirt is off and he's a little bit undone. So you want un- you can you kind of made to understand that they had sex.
0: They, yeah, they just kind of lay next to each other and just awkwardly like smile at each other because they yeah they get to the point where in a modern movie they'd be having sex, but this is nineteen thirty, so all we can do is hold hands and smile at each other.
2: Well, and also he doesn't speak Tahitian, she doesn't speak English, so
0: the language of lust is universal, I say. <laughs> making out with the chief's granddaughter until we finally make it to the next morning when Fletcher and his new lady friend are saying goodbye on the shore. And he does have his shirt off at this point and got, like, all his supplies uh, strapped onto his back.
1: Yeah.
0: Fletcher swims out to the bounty, and once he reaches it, discovers that the chief's granddaughter followed him for one last kiss, and that was the scene that was on the poster. Yes. But uh, the poster made it look like he was climbing into a, a modern-day speedboat, not up, yeah. up the side of a... Of a A big sailing vessel, because they have to, like, climb up the entire side of the ship to get back on deck. Uh, Once on board, Fletcher reports to Bly, who tells him he's a disgrace, and he'll show him who's boss and blah blah, yada yada, yada, the usual Bly stuff. That's all he ever says. Fletcher responds that he thinks Bly is just trying to get him to uh, hit Bly so he can be flogged to death, like the man in the opening was. Bly says he's right and we fade out like he doesn't even he doesn't deny it at all he's just like you're a wise man Christian and then it <laughs> it fades to black like yes I was trying to get you to, to do this so I could kill you just, no attempt to hide it whatsoever <clears throat> like yep I want you to die I want to murder you and I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna do it uh, we come back in the room on the ship where all the breadfruit plants are being stored and that's where Morgan that old guy who was drinking with Bacchus and uh, Fletcher earlier is uh, is Telling Captain Bly that they don't have enough water to keep all of them alive and Bly's solution is to cut water rations for the crew because uh, Plants are more valuable than human life because the plants Actually have to do with his evaluation of how he'll be seen when he gets back it, yeah, nobody cares if he just kills all these you know uh, People he kidnapped out of a bar.
2: Well, also that's part of the that's the only thing he's gonna be able to trade for something else so. Yep.
0: it is his duty His favorite word. Uh, Then we see the crew returning to the ship, and all the gifts they were given by the Haitians are being taken away. Like, as they board on, there's just one of the officers just there, just taking, like, bananas and coconuts out of their hand. Ellison has uh, a a bag with him, Mm -hmm. and they ask him what it is, and he says, it's Monday's Wash. And then it squeals because there's a pig inside. He says, (laughs)
1: that's
0: "That's the pig's name, Monday's Wash. (laughs) Yeah. Not that they taken it from it's a real pig. They they dump it out on top of the pile of all the fruit yeah. and stuff, and it's a real pig. That's, uh, its legs have all been tied together. I hope that pig was okay.
2: We uh, didn't get a disclaimer to say that uh, no animal were harmed. No, this of is filming the of this movie.
0: Nineteen thirties. They give no shits. Yep. And then it's weird because. Everyone goes back to the boat, Fletcher in- included, and then we have the next scene and everyone's back on shore saying goodbye again. It's, it, it was odd. I, I mentioned it as we were watching. like, wait, didn't they already do this? Didn't they already say yeah. the goodbyes? And everyone, everyone was back on the ship. And then they're back on shore again. Weird. Uh, so back on shore, uh Bayam gives a music box to his girlfriend and uh, the cook leaves his adopted family and like all the kids are crying. They're, and, yeah,
1: they're
2: visibly sad. Uh, yeah, and
0: the and the woman who pulled them in there in the first place is upset too. It was it was sweet. The chief also wants to start an adopted family and asks Bayam to stay and be his son. Uh Bayam declines. He needs to go back to the ship where everyone hates him. <laughs> he has to go. On the shore, Fletcher is saying goodbye to his lady again, and she gives him two huge pearls. He calls Byam over to translate, and Byam was talking to the ship's purser, so the the purser sees Mm -hmm. when uh, Byam gets called away. And uh, Fletcher asks Byam to tell the native woman that somehow when this voyage is over, Fletcher will find a way back to Tahiti. Yeah.
2: She tells him that the the pearls are for his mother. For
0: his mother, yeah. Byam is incredulous, saying, This island isn't real. Not for you and me. It's a dream. The ship is real. Get back and get flogged. (laughs) But Fletcher insists, so Byam tells her. Like, this was frustrating, because he's so insistent about, yeah, well, this this is... it's fake the the ship is real it's like why
2: which was There's not a... what i expected from Bayan because he's visibly also having a good time enjoying himself on the island enjoying learning the uh, the language and communicating with people and learning their way he is like he's so excited and enthusiastic when he when he's talking with the chief and uh you know telling him you guys have like so many words for just for uh uh, to describe how to uh, somebody looks at something he's inquisitive and and uh enthusiastic so i did not expect him to be also looking forward to going back to the ship
0: yeah it's it's baffling because everyone Everyone is so much happier on this island, but then, uh, yeah, he's insistent about no, well, we have to go back to the ship, we have to be abused again. It. We have to, yeah. this is just a dream.
2: Well, so, yeah, you know, Byam has family to go back yes. to. He made promises, uh, you know, to come back an admiral and then he to uh, do his dictionary and yes. all that. So, he's kept he has people and things. ...waiting for him uh, back home in England. Fletcher, we don't really know. We know that he has his parents, but he hasn't seen them in ten years. He
0: puts his hand on Fletcher's shoulder and he says, Look, (laughs) on this island I was happy, but in (laughs) England I'm rich. (laughs) So I'm going back to England. (laughs) You can stay here with your coconuts, buddy.
1: Yeah.
0: Back on the ship, three crewmen were caught sneaking onto the island... And are put in chains below deck. I believe one of them was, uh, one of the three that were caught sneaking was Burkett, yes. who was one of the three who was called out earlier for being shitty, Yeah. Uh, and got flogged for what did Burkett get flogged for? Oh, he's the he's also the one who threw the the shark Yay. into the officer's face. So Burkett, Burkett is just uh, raising hell <laughs> he's at on ev- a roll. every opportunity on this trip. I'm all for it. Fight the power, Burkett. Uh, then we have a scene of Bly accusing Fletcher of stealing ten coconuts. Ten coconuts went missing on, on your watch last night. And Fletcher says, well, I can account for uh, all of the men under my watch. And then Bly responds but can you account for yourself, sir?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Fletcher asks why in the seven hells he would steal coconuts. And Bly responds that it makes sense because he's already stolen much more valuable things from the crown. Like a hundred pounds of cheese, you shit. He's talking about the pearls, and after a bit of arguing, uh, Fletcher hands them over to Bly. Yeah. uh, With the, uh, yeah, because it's property of the crown, but everyone understands that it's just going right into Bly's pocket, and he's he's stealing them for himself. Bly then goes on to make an announcement, uh, but becomes enraged when he finds out that everyone is there to listen to his announcement except Bacchus. Uh, Multiple officers tell him it's because Bacchus is very ill and needs to rest, but Bly calls them liars and says Bacchus is just drunk.
2: Yeah, he's just drunk, Uh, even though I think it's who says they had to bleed him that morning. Yes.
0: He sends Bayam to go get him, but when Bayam sees uh, what poor health Bacchus is in, he goes back and refuses the captain's order. Bly tells Bayam to get Bacchus on deck or he'll have him flogged, and Fletcher tries to convince Bly that Bacchus is actually sick, but the argument is interrupted when Bacchus appears on deck and immediately falls over and dies. He does, yeah. He's not even there for five minutes no. before he just keels over. And yeah, Byum goes down and he talks to Bacchus and Bacchus is willing to come up, but Byam, uh, you know refuses and said you know for once a midshipman is giving orders and then he leaves and as soon as he leaves uh bacchus starts getting back up out of the bed again because he knows he's going to get in trouble for it so he's like oh he's a good lad i can't let him get in trouble because of me and he gets up out of the bed and then comes on deck and is actually sick and immediately dies and uh, bacchus had this recurring thing of he was constantly drunk and stumbling around and uh he always had a bottle in his hand and would yeah, drop a it a con- bottle
2: or, or a glass yeah
0: and would drop it all the time because he's uh stumbling drunk and every time he dropped it he'd pick it back up and he'd say oh nothing lost yeah and then when he keels over dead Fletcher kneels down and, and picks him up and he says nothing lost Mr. Christian and then he dies it's enough uh to satisfy uh Bly's bloodlust, so the flogging that they were all gathered to witness is postponed for 24 hours <laughs> and uh as he's kneeling, as Fletcher is kneeling, holding his body, he... Uh, I want uh, everyone to bear witness. You murdered this man. Mm-hmm. Fletcher is super upset about this. Uh, he's right.
2: Yeah, he... Bacchus would... He would have probably died anyway because he was so sick. But he could have... He didn't have to die like this. No.
0: Everyone is staring daggers at Bly. Like, every time Bly orders something, there's always murmuring... From from the very first, that that guy who pulled up in the in the rowboat for the ceremonial flogging before they even left the harbor, yeah. who was already dead, there were murmurs. Then I think it was. Burkett? Burkett? Burkett. It was Burkett who murdered, like, murderer, and, like, Bly looked at him when that flogging was happening, and, yeah, every punishment, there's always people murmuring and giving Bly looks, and uh, Bly's staring daggers back, but this is, this is the worst of it, where everyone, even the officers, is clearly upset about this.
2: Yeah, Bacchus was their, you know, like, for the movie and for them, was the... Comic relief.
0: Yeah, this this is where we get, I believe it's Mr. Morgan who said, who talks about how uh, Bacchus was the comedy relief. And yeah. it, so much of a sea voyage is dependent upon the morale of the crew, which can be improved just by a joke at the right time, which is yeah. the service Bacchus actually provided with his, you know, multiple stories about how he lost his leg <laughs> and uh, just being a, a funny, a lovable drunk.
2: And not remembering his actual name.
0: Yep. So everyone is staring daggers at Bly. Uh, one crewman puts his hand on his knife in his belt, while another one grabs a wooden club on the side. Bly walks right between them. He's like framed. There's one on each side. One's got a knife. One's got a club.
2: It would have been the perfect opportunity to strike him. He
0: walks right between them and nothing happens. Yeah. And we move on. Yeah. The, and you were just so ready for it at this point that was the moment yep. that just take the knife out plunge it into the chest mutiny lets go everyone is so sick of this guy including the audience just uh just do it kill him <sighs> but they don't night has fallen and once again Fletcher and Byam are talking by the railing Fletcher asks Byam to find his parents if anything happens to him on the trip. Byam asks why something would happen, and Fletcher replies that he can't stand this devil's work much longer, and sooner or later is going to forget his discipline and break Bly's neck.
2: Which, by the way, is a, an, a historical inaccuracy because in the movie... Christine's uh, father is still alive, but in real life, um, uh, Fletcher Christine's father had died like three or four years before uh, Before
0: that. Find my parents and dig up their graves. Whisper into their ears what happened. His mom
2: was still alive, but his dad had passed away. Uh,
0: Byam tells him to just wait till they're back in England and to report Bly, but agrees to find his parents if something happens. The next day, a crewman tells Fletcher that a shark has been following the ship ever since Bacchus died and asks for a musket to shoot it he also asks for a second musket to shoot the shark on board and tells fletcher that the men are all here and ready for anything it's them or us fletcher tells him to shut the hell up before he gets everyone killed (laughs) down in the brig one of the officers is getting water for the chained men but gets into an argument with one and starts beating him Fletcher hears uh, the beatings and pulls the officer off because he's below decks to getting the gun to shoot the shark. Yes. And he just hears this happening in the next room, runs over and pushes the guy off and you're like, get back above board, you scum. And he's like, he has chained a fastener over the guy's mouth. Yeah. Which uh, Fletcher takes off and you're like bleeding from the sides of his mouth. He yells at the officer to leave. And after seeing the poor state of the prisoners, he finally reaches his a breaking point, and says he's had enough of this bloodship. They're going to be real men again, even if they hang for it. Mutiny? asks a crew mem- member with a huge smile on his face. Mutiny agrees, Fletcher. They're like. <laughs> they're all it was just the prisoners the officer and fletcher down but then as soon as uh, fletcher throws out the bad officer mm-hmm. and says we'll be men again even if we hang suddenly there's a bunch of crewmen down there with them yeah. and they are so excited they're, they're ready they're like schoolboys getting out of hearing about a snow day the <laughs> mutiny oh boy
2: <laughs> what an adventure yeah
0: they're smiling they're happy yeah let's go let's do it i'm ready kill all the officers i'm ready a ship-wide fight ensues, and it's not—it's just a ruckus. It's not clear whose side anyone's on, because there's no. there's crewmen fighting crewmen. There's people just throwing stuff at each other's heads. There is no there's no clear sides. I mean, any time you see someone attacking an officer, you know they're probably the mut- mutineers. But yeah. w- with the crewmen fighting each other, you don't. Yeah, it's not clear who is fighting for what. Uh, the ultimate result, though, is that Bligh is. Tied to one of the masts, with all of the crew gathered around, trying to decide what tortures to inflict on him, they capture him in his cabin. It's just two. Fletcher comes in with two crewmen, and just they stare at each other for a second, and then uh, Fletcher goes, "Seize him!" <laughs> and and Bly starts scre- sc- uh, screaming for the the boatswain, because uh, Bly does not uh, inflict any of the violence himself. He just likes to watch. Yeah. So he he calls for his uh, headman, basically. Gotta keep the blood off his hands. Yep. Fletcher intervenes and says that there'll be no more violence. Boo. Bly and his officers that sided with him will be put into a boat and cast adrift. The boat is loaded, and once Bly is in it, he swears he'll sail it all the way to England if he must, and live to see every one of the crew hanging from the highest yardarm in the Navy. He stands up and he's shaking his fist as he yells this one of the crewmen uh, then tries to shoot bligh but fletcher stops him he says i'll give you a yard arm and he levels a rifle at him but fletcher uh, knocks it up so it's pointing up and he just shoots into the sky god yeah. damn it fletcher yeah
2: don't have such time.
0: stop it so many opportunities to to get rid of bligh they're all in a rowboat like being trailed behind the bounty by a rope but the boat is then cut loose And Byam comes up on deck and tells Fletcher to call it back or everyone in it will die. They actually get into a shouting match like, call it back! No! Because Byam is still invested in uh, becoming an officer and uh, still thinks he can, uh, Bly can just be reported. Yeah. Come on, man. We've only got another year to spend with this murderous tyrant. (laughs) It's not that bad. Fletcher refuses, so Byam tries to appeal to the crew to return to their duties. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he sees he's losing the argument with Fletcher and just turns to the crew for support, like, come on, men, back to your duties. No. No,
2: this isn't the point of mutiny.
0: These people have been abused for over a year. No, we're not going to return to our duties. When that doesn't work, he grabs for a musket, uh, but Fletcher, they have a little tug of war over it, and Fletcher pushes him to the deck and has him taken below he then orders the men to turn the ship west northwest destination tahiti and a cheer goes up cut to the bounty sailing away and the men t- tossing all the breadfruits out in the back window because the the room that they're stored in is in the below after the ship and there's just a window to the open sea that yeah. they're just chucking all the plants out and you sealed see the the ship sailing away with a trail of plants floating behind it which is funny because as as the officer who was charged with taking care of them was leaving the ship, he like, oh, what a pity. You'll make sure they're all uh, properly watered and taken care of, right? And the, the crewman yeah, who's seen, right. seeing them off says, oh, absolutely, sir. And then you have this scene of them just throwing them into the ocean.
2: Which, you know, it's not a lie. They'll be properly watered in the ocean. Yeah,
0: all the water they could ever want, which I don't know. If those were food, they should have kept them and just eaten them for themselves. But yeah. whatever, they're in this spirit of mutiny. In the captain's cabin, Fletcher tells Byam that as long as he agrees not to try and retake the ship, he can walk about freely. Byam agrees, and as he turns to leave, Fletcher apologizes for pushing him on the deck. That didn't hurt, replies Byam. What hurts is that we can never be friends again. I don't. Nope. Nope. Just punched. (laughs) Don't punch me in the gut
2: (laughs) for some reason. Like, just seeing their friendship like, really blossom or, over the, the course of the movie, and that, yeah, I don't know, it was it was a gut punch.
0: Yeah, I cannot be friends with pirates, he says. Yeah, yeah it is socially inconvenient to associate <laughs> <laughs> with you any longer. Uh, then we leave the bounty, and we join Bly on his dinghy, who informs the men in his boat that the nearest port is 3,500 miles away, and it's them against the sea cue montage of them sailing through a storm and bailing water out rationing out their food very slowly and even attempting to catch seagulls to eat which they do they knock one out of the air and it's a real damn seagull like it is they're holding a real seagull and like passing around and uh bligh is actually way nicer in this small sh- boat than he ever is on the main thing because he's He gives the seagull to the oldest and weakest among them, and he also cautions them with the rations about, uh, now be sure to eat it slowly, men, because we don't want to, you know, upset our stomachs, and we'll make it to port, we just have to not give up, and yeah, he just be that way when you're on the big ship.
2: We also see there are some some cats where we see him keeping details yes. of, the, of the days he's, and, keeping of a journal. Activities, he's keeping a journal yeah
0: Yeah. it it cuts to it I think three times where it gets progressively worse where it's like you know uh, rations running out morale's low men are attempting to you know supplement diet with seagulls and things like that and yeah. I, the last time we see it it's uh, they're running out of hope and the last line is like uh, may God be with us or something because yeah. they do have him lead a prayer while they're in this small boat and it's just Man, as soon as we cut back to him, the boat was like, no, no. Why are we focusing on him again? They set him adrift. I didn't ever want to see him again. I just want to know that he's dead. Why? Why are we still with him? I don't well, that's, like.
2: That's probably for that purpose, like to know that he's not dead. Yeah,
0: I didn't like and... that. No. <laughs> why? Why are you showing me this man in his boat? Just let him die. He's
2: been cast aside, but he's still there.
0: I was hoping that that was the last we would ever see of him, and then we get this little. The scene with him, of them getting closer and staying alive, at the end of this whole scene, the camera settles on Bly, unshaven, haggard, clothes filthy and torn, he looks even more like a goblin than he normally does, his hair is completely unkept, and he's just like, dead-eyed stare, he's the only one sitting up, everyone else in the boat is just laying down, they don't say it now, but we learn later that people have died in the boat at this point.
2: Which was also factually untrue.
0: Nobody died in the boat. He is more dead than alive. He comes to life, however, when he spots land on the horizon and rouses the men. We've beaten the sea itself, he says. God damn it, I wanted him to die so badly. But he doesn't. We then go back to see Bayam's uh, mother celebrating Christmas, which fades into Christmas on Tahiti and all the crew are singing carols together outside the chief's hut, where Fletcher lives with his wife and new baby. Fletcher goes outside to talk to the men, and Byam comes forward uh, out of the bush to shake Fletcher's hand. Fletcher has been waiting over a year for Byam to come around, apparently. He had maintained his uh, we're-not-going-to-be-friends thing, but some amount of time has passed, we don't know how much, although... We know from historical record that they left Tahiti in April. So if it's Christmas now, yeah, it's been from April to Christmas that he has uh, kept up his I'm not going to talk to you. And this on Christmas Day, he finally comes around. and
2: Yeah, which also means that that baby was probably conceived when they were on yeah, the when they were first on, time.
0: when they were on the island, yep. Everyone goes inside to see the baby, and Ellison remarks that his son will be three years old now. Uh, let's get some grog, says Fletcher. He has this very dour moment of like my son would be three, and I haven't seen him since he was this small. And Fletcher just goes,, eh, let's have a drink.
2: <laughs> yeah, which was both it's sad because, like I was I was telling you, I feel like if the movie had ended there with them on Tahiti, I would have been happy with that and <laughs> with that ending. but it's the the one little notch that just, reminds you no it can't end there like he has to go back and see his and go back to his family like there's no point in having that character and uh, making him long for his family the whole time if we're just going to end there on Tahiti and him never seeing them again
0: yes my headcanon for the scene is that uh, Fletcher is trying to end the movie there Mm -hmm. but then this guy uh, interrupts and says well we got that dangling plot thread and Fletcher god damn it let's go have a drink (laughs) They go outside and celebrate with song and dance uh, until Fletcher and Byam break away with their ladies. The relaxation is broken almost instantly, though, when an English ship is spotted off the coast. Fletcher has all the crew and their families get on board the bounty and takes to sea in search of another island. Yeah, he just loads up all the women and newborns onto the ship, to which I was... uh, uh. It's a bad idea to go out there as a a grown-ass adult. You're taking multiple children out into the uncharted ocean on a a dingy little ship like the Bounty. Okay, sure. Ellison won't be going, though. He's going to take his chances uh, with the English ship so he can try and see his wife and son again. Byam also isn't going with Fletcher either, uh, so he and Fletcher have their final goodbye on the beach. And Byam reaffirms his promise to find Fletcher's parents and tell them the truth. Byam and the others, hoping to return to England, take a boat out to the English ship and are immediately arrested once they're on board because Bly is the captain and wants everyone on his former crew dead. They come on board and they're shirtless and they make no attempt to run or anything. They go out to the boat themselves and they come on their... If they were actually mutineers, they'd try to run, and they try and say that point to not get arrested. Or oh, they
2: would have just have stayed on the island.
0: Bly gives zero shits, though, and just uh, has them put in irons. He also demands to know where Fletcher went, but the men either can't or won't tell him, and Bly takes off in pursuit anyway through uncharted waters. One of the, uh, his new first mate tries to dissuade him from doing this, but... Yeah. You and I both know how Bly responds to any sort of suggestion, which is to ignore it. We return to the bounty as it sails through foggy waters. Like, there's zero visibility, they can't even see where they're going. And there's two women on the deck doing a, like, a belly dance, and then one of the, the crewmen like grabs one of the women and starts kissing her. And she's okay with it, but one of the other Native men isn't and comes and grabs well, It seems
2: and p- like, yeah, it might be his girlfriend or his wife. Or,
0: or sister or something. And then tensions are high, is, is, <laughs> is the point. And the crew complained about how long they've been at sea. And Fletcher says, well, you know, we got to go till we find an island, so suck it up. Back on Bly's ship, the first mate begs him to call off the search because the ship has taken so much damage from the reefs that they're sailing through that he has to have men working day and night at the pumps just to keep them afloat. Mm -hmm. Bly's fetish is bad decisions, though, so he keeps going and crashes into a reef and they sink, like mere minutes after this guy warns him. It happens when they're down, the camera's down in the hold with the... the, uh, the people from the bounty he's taken prisoner, and they're talking about how unfair everything is, and, well, haven't you mentioned to Bly that, uh, we're not mutineers, and, trust me, I've told him a thousand times, and then, uh, Bly comes down again and tries to get them to confess, but they can't confess to anything they don't know, Bly goes back up again, and then there's windows down below where they are, and then mm-hmm. there's like a crunching sound, and water just starts pouring in the windows yeah. down. Which
2: road. for him also that was that was true. He wasn't a mutineer in the in the first place. No, he tried to he tried to go uh, at sea with with Bly. Like he tried to ask uh, to to go on, on that little boat with Bly, but then uh, Christian tells him there's there's no space anymore.
0: Yeah, Bly doesn't care though. Anyone. Anyone associated with Christian is bad and deserves to be killed in his eyes. Everyone escapes, including Bly, because the man is an unkillable cockroach. Uh, We then jump to Portsmouth, where Bly has returned, and the trial of the mutineers has been underway for a week. Ellison's wife is there on the dock, and she is crying because she isn't allowed to see him. Next, we're in the courtroom watching a panel of men in very stiff shirts and powdered wigs call witnesses and listen to testimony. It's this, this buffet of uh, noble, upper-crust, big wig. Yeah. <laughs>
2: there are big wigs. Yes,
0: powdered wigs <laughs> and gaudy, fancy military uniforms. And uh, Bly is called upon to speak. And he says he has no idea why the mutiny happened, but it's definitely Byam's fault because he saw him talking with Fletcher at the railing so many times. They were definitely plotting the mutiny. Byam tries to testify on his own behalf, but the judges aren't swayed. He asks Bly like, well, didn't you hear Fletcher ask me to find his parents? I did not, sir. Didn't you hear me promise to find his parents? I did not, sir. And it goes on like that. Back in the holding cell, Ellison is staring out the window in hopes that his wife will float by on a rowboat. And then he starts to scream and lose his mind about how unfair it all is. But Bayam grabs him and manages to calm him down when he reminds him that they are all in the same boat together. And freaking out is just going to make it worse for all of them. And Bayam is then called outside to hear his verdict. As he walks to the courtroom, he is told that there will be a dirk on the table, which is a small knife, Mm -hmm. and if it lies crosswise on the table, that means he has been acquitted, but if the point of the knife is pointing towards him when he enters, that means he has been condemned. Byam enters into the room, the camera zooms in on the knife, and it is pointing directly at him. He is condemned. He's then asked if he has anything to say before he hears his sentence. He does. He tells Bly what a piece of shit he is and says that Fletcher ultimately won because he's still free and if only they treated their sailors fairly, England could rule the oceans. This is a monologue that goes on for several minutes Mm -hmm. and it's very pie-in-the-sky, high, noble-thinking... If we could just be kind and understand each other, we would we would reach a new golden era of the seas and we would rule supreme over the oceans if only uh, tyranny and abuse could be overcome. And it's it's a rousing motivational speech that just... Uh, there's no way in hell this actually happened.
2: <laughs> no, but it was a nice contrast also between Bly and Bayam. Which we already know that they have nothing in common except from uh, being sailors. But it was a, a nice contrast uh, to, yeah, to lies, cruelty. Yeah,
0: it's all very pretty nice sounding words. But the entire time it was happening, I just couldn't get over my suspension of disbelief of just like, th- this didn't happen. There's no way in hell this happened. No. <laughs> no, This this is a Hollywood speech. Of course. Uh, yeah, he talks about how you've heard Captain Bly's story, but there's another story here. A story of a hundred pounds of cheese and ten coconuts yeah. and tyranny and abuse. Is like, oh, this is a speech written by a a Hollywood writer. Uh, yeah, knock it off with this. The court is unmoved and he is sentenced to death by hanging. The court is pronounced dissolved, and as bigwigs file out, Bly attempts to shake uh, the hand of the head of the court, who says that Bly's open-boat voyage is one of the most impressive bits of seamanship in the history of the ocean. But, and here's where Bly gets the only bit of punishment for his actions in the entire movie, uh, the person he wanted to shake hands with walks away without shaking his hand. That's it.
2: He's finally sort of acknowledged as a piece of shit. He
0: is he is socially snubbed and not even fully socially snubbed because the guy says it was the most impressive piece of seamanship in the history of the oceans yeah. and then doesn't shake his hand. So it gives him this enormous compliment, but you di- you only got 90% of what you wanted, Bly. Oh, what a terrible fate. Cut back to the cell. And Ellison returns from finally seeing his wife and son, and he's wearing a a new scarf that they gave him. He thanks Byam for uh, making that visit happen, and tells him that the whole trip seems like a dream now, as far away as the island of Tahiti. He remembers the kindness Fletcher showed him, and wonders where he is now. Pitcairn Island is where Fletcher is now, as we jump back to the bounty to see that they've found an island to settle on. They run the bounty aground and burn it, so that it won't be spotted by passing ships. Back in Portsmouth, a plea is made uh, for Byam to be spared, because a new understanding between officers and men has been reached. And his pardon will confirm that understanding, not just today, but for all time to come him is pardoned and the final scene is his triumphant return to sea on a new ship with a new captain where everyone shakes his hand and promises him they'll sweep the oceans for england the end yeah it's like a triumphant thing of you get to go back and do it again and <laughs> yeah. you know if i had just been through the three year long ordeal that he had the privilege of being allowed to go onto another boat would not be a happy ending for me
2: but that's what he wanted from the beginning like he, he sailed he uh, left and sailed and and his goal was to come back an admiral and he very much had the attitude of a of a young lad who's like off on adventures
0: yep yeah i was I was condemned to die by hanging for no fault of my own the first time. Let's do it again. <laughs> Fun adventure.
2: Before we discuss the movie, I told you that there were some you know, some facts that I, I was going to come back to yep. uh, at the end. So the movie includes some historical inaccuracies, such as the fact that uh, Captain Bly was never on the ship that came back to Tahiti to... To capture the mutineers, and that ship was the H.M.S. Pandora.
0: Yes, they do call the Pandora.
2: Yeah, and they he also didn't take part in the trial of the mutineers. Well, that's surprising. He might have he might have been called as a witness separately, but he was not there, like at the the actual mm, trial. He was not
0: there to, to dramatically give testimony in front of the condemned. Yes. Yeah.
2: some of the punishments ordered by Captain Bly also didn't actually happen. Yeah, in real life. Like the kill hauling and the flogging of the dead man at the beginning of the of the movie. They mm. were added to the movie to make him look crawler. And in the movie, Bly is fudging the logs, especially when it comes to floggings and uh, missing food so that he would look better to his superiors back in England. But in real life, Bly's flogging rate was actually much lower than average compared to other captains.
0: So they accentuated his cruelty a bit
2: yeah to make him uh, make him look like way crueler than he actually was in uh, in real life and uh, another thing was that in one of his final scenes fletcher christian speaks to the mutineers about his desire to create a new society for freemen when in reality the mutineers ended up enslaving uh people on on tahiti oops so
0: yeah yeah, all that stuff with the the natives being super friendly and everyone getting along was also, yeah, this is very Hollywood. Yeah. Fletcher also gives a, a speech at the end before they decide to burn the bounty about yes, this being a new land and and freedom if we only have the courage to claim it and another very Hollywood mm-hmm. speech.
2: Oh, and the island that they that they land on Pitcairn, they had actually at the time been not it hadn't been placed correctly on world maps. So that's part of, uh, of the reason why they were never found. Like the mutineers were able to live out their life and they were found. The Some of the survivors were found like decades later. Uh, later, But uh, because the, the island had been misplaced on, on world maps at the time, they were able to kind of like live freely. Yeah, I
0: believe they say that when uh, he's loading the families up onto the ship. Like You're really going to sail into uncharted waters? Yeah, and he does.
2: So, what did you think of the movie?
0: You know, when we were about a third of the way through, I thought it was going to be number one on my list. Really, I really liked the beginning of this movie. Okay, I think the the ship is a cool, unique setting, and they do a really good job of capturing it on film. With it, you know, yeah. it feeling like you're on a ship with the, the ocean just going up and down in the in the background and all this the storms they go through and it's just a, a cool setting with i like it when people are like trapped t- together somewhere so they all have to you know form communities and relationships with each other so yeah all the the dynamics between the the crewmen mm-hmm. with each other and the officers and all that was uh, was really neat and well done and it, yeah looks nice it's a good setting it's just this entire Thing for me going in was about the catharsis of the mutiny because Bly is such a tyrannical, awful monster, but it, you can swallow it as it's happening because you know he's going to get his comeuppance in the end but it's fine as he's flogging these people and killing them and being this asshole monster because like oh he's gonna get it yeah but
2: a it's taking way too long and b there's definitely not enough done
0: yes it's you enter in with that promise of it's okay because this guy is gonna beef it and he's gonna beef it hard and then it just never happens and he just gets away with it in the end. And it just leaves you with this awful taste in your mouth. And it, it started as soon as they, like I said, when they set him adrift in the boat and then they cut back to him on the boat. I, I got a sinking feeling like, no, I want this guy to be dead. Why are we still focusing on him? Why are we, why are we tracking his journey back to the mainland? I, I don't want him to be alive anymore. Yeah. And, yeah, just, that's the whole thing. Like, the mutiny, where, God damn it, kill this guy! He's so terrible! And that is the catharsis of movies like this. This is like the first movie we've watched that had, like, a a proper villain. And then the villain just gets away with it. It's so unfulfilling.
2: Unfulfilling, I hate to be a killjoy, but it probably... I mean, it's... Also true to to history, like, he did get away with it. Yeah,
0: I know, but, like, that is the the fantasy of this kind of thing is in real life...
2: Re-rewrite <laughs> their history. Yeah, in
0: real life, terrible people get away with this kind of thing. Yeah. That's why you want to live out the fantasy of, of seeing them actually get punished for their shittiness for once. But I know. But when the only bad things that happen is he doesn't get a handshake... It's just gross. Like this guy murdered someone for wanting to put water on his knees.
2: Yeah. <sighs> and in uh, real life too, he continued being a, yeah. a captain afterwards. Like <laughs> the, the, this did nothing to uh, change his behavior, and there was it didn't affect his it didn't affect his career at all.
0: Nope. What, he sank, sank. well, in the movie, he sank two ships and murdered at least a dozen people. And it's probably the thing he got in the most trouble for was not getting the breadfruit plants back. Yeah. And it's just, yep, here you go. Here's another ship, another crew to abuse. They don't, they don't. Yeah, that, that new understanding they came to, they learned nothing. So, yeah. Just, yeah, as soon as I understood that Bly was going to survive the mutiny just all the wind just went out of my sails and it's oh no cuz i was fully on board with the crew as soon as they uh tied him up like flog him yeah keelhaul him do all the stuff he did to other people like yeah do it F- kill this guy murder him
2: i would have loved if there was a couple of things i would have liked better in the movie like if if it had ended in tahiti like on christmas i think that would have been a, a much nicer ending but also i would have one thing that i could have, uh, have seen happen was if the mutiny happened earlier in the movie like before they even made it to tahiti yeah and the mutineers could have made it to tahiti still and i would have enjoyed it if half of the movie was you know them getting there getting to the Mutiny, they get to uh, to Tahiti, and then we get another, like, maybe 20, 30 minutes of just seeing them live on Tahiti. Like, they develop relationships, they do uh, some of what they uh, came to do, like, buy him, coming to um do his dictionary, and that would have been much, uh, it would have been uh more fulfilling for me.
0: Yeah, for a movie titled After a Mutiny, the mutiny takes way too long to happen, like you said.
2: It takes less than five minutes. A-
0: yes, and when it happens, it's very underwhelming. Yeah. It is It is not the moment of catharsis you've been waiting for. It's It's very slapdash and over very, very quickly, and then the result of it is just that Bly is put in a boat and escapes. Yeah. I Yeah, that... What a missed opportunity with that scene right after Bacchus dies mm-hmm. when the guy has his hand on the knife and the guy has... I was
2: name. ready for it to happen right there. They
0: framed it yeah. as if that's what's about to happen. Like, because they have... he Bly, like, walks right in between these two guys. Yeah. One of them has his hand on his knife. The other has a hand on his club. They're both incredibly angry about what just happened and on the verge of breaking like uh, do it do it like take the knife and plunge it into his chest kill this motherfucker and then they just like and go down like it's oh you never get that release of of tension and anger it just simmers forever and it never properly uh, boils over
2: even though when Bacchus dies like everybody is visibly upset yes so it would have been the right moment because you know that tension has been uh, yeah has just been like Going up and up, and you know in that scene that everybody has is just fed up with it, and they're all ready.
0: Yes, I wanted that knife to come out of that sheath, go into Blythe's chest, and then the entire boat just erupt into chaos. It would
2: have been the right time for a climax right there. Yes.
0: I don't... It baffles me why they framed that shot the way they did if they did not intend for the mutiny to start in that moment.
2: To... I don't know, I can think of maybe, like, yeah, he's getting like right in the middle of uh he's in... i don't know how to explain it, it it's just rising the, the tension yeah. again to to show that they can get him whenever they want
0: maybe it was an intentional fake out and if that is the case don't play with my heart like that
1: mm. that's that's just cruel
0: <laughs> that is as cruel as the things Bly did to his crew Yeah, man man it's a bummer that he just gets away with it yeah that he just murders and abuses all these people, and there's absolutely no consequence for his actions whatsoever
2: I'm also not finding a apart from the disappointment with the mutiny um I was a little bit disappointed with just the uh, with the characters and character development because they're the characters are just they're the same from beginning to end yeah. to me. like there's not really a, any evolution in any of them no.
0: Yeah,
2: Bly is just as much uh, as cruel at the beginning as he is at the end. Fletcher is—we see his you know humanity and compassion for uh, for everyone all throughout the movie. Bly am pretty much the same. Like he's on an adventure and he's you know he's the good old soldier who's there to do uh, do his job and and that's pretty much it.
0: Yeah, no one really changes whatsoever. We also don't really get a lot of resolution for any of the crew members. We know that Byam gets pardoned, but they don't say anything about anybody else. Yeah. We know that guy got to see his wife and kid, but we don't know if he was spared.
2: Which was also inaccurate, because in in real life, there's no record of him being able to see his uh, his wife and child. Oh, he
0: was an actual historical...
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ellison? Yeah. Yep. Thomas Ellison was an actual uh, person, but mm. um, yeah, he was not... Uh... There's no record of that happening. Yeah, I so. wouldn't. Yeah.
0: Another happy Hollywood ending. Yeah. I got this scarf from my wife when in reality he yeah, his, his kid just grew up without a father because the king needed sailors. Yeah, it's just it's just frustrating on every level. These unresolved plots, Blythe getting away with it. It it started out really, really strongly and then it just kind of fumbled and ended in such a way to leave a really bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. Of all the words of tongue and pen, these are the worst. It might have been. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what I'll always uh, think of when I think back to the Mutiny on the Bounty of, it could have been so good. It could, yeah. This could could have been the number one movie on my list.
1: Yeah.
0: But as it is...
2: Especially since, like, in doing research for, uh, about the, the movie for the podcast, I... Found out none of, the, none of the five different versions of this story are historically accurate. Some of them come closer, you know, uh, uh, closer than others, but none of, they all took liberties. Yeah,
0: they're all making so. it the, the Hollywood version in some way or another yeah. with their, their noble speeches and we've come to a an new understanding. And, yeah. Oh, we must free ourselves from tyranny. Like, n- no one. No one in in the British Navy in the 1700s was was talking this way. <laughs> Come off it.
2: Still, it has some, you know, re- redeeming. I guess redeeming qualities. It's like you said, the like technique uh, or just the
0: cinematography. The
2: cinematography. Yeah, uh, you get a lot of cool shots good. of the
0: the ship and the ocean, yeah. and then bobbing in the waves. Yeah. yeah, this is probably my favorite setting we've had for a movie so yeah. far. I just man
2: <laughs> much better than being on a bus for like two hours <laughs> i don't mind the
0: bus that much
2: <laughs> it's you know also one of the movies that has an actual you know story, and story yeah and the first
0: proper antagonist we've had because yeah. usually it's just some nebulous force like uh, the war yeah you know or what have you the the times the trying times we live in but here no it's a it's an, uh, an
2: actual j- person that we can hate.
0: Yes. An actual person we can hate. And what more do you need? Mm. Uh, I can uh, see, you said when we were watching uh, It Happened One Night that Clark Gable was not happy with that role. Yeah. And I can understand why if if this is uh, the type of role he's more accustomed to because this was a much more, I wouldn't say nuanced, but a more serious acting mm. role than It Happened One Night. Happened One Night was very goofy. You could tell that it was like... The people who made it happen one night did not expect it to win any awards. It was kind of just a throwaway, like made for mass appeal. But this is a very more serious role yeah. where he has to emote more strongly, more seriously. And... It
2: happened one night. Was you know it was goofy, but it was I don't know. The writing was good. Like the the it was witty. There was some like really good banter and some really good dialogues.
0: Yeah, it just felt it was sillier. And did not require the same, like, acting chops. Right. I could see other people playing that role. Yeah. And it happened one night. And probably the reason it got that award is because Clark Gable's forced into it. But here, I don't know, Clark Gable might be, you know, he's the leading man in Hollywood, and this is a uh, premier, like, leading man role.
2: Well, and that's also, you know, in this one, it's uh, MGM. That's the, the yeah. company that he was under contract with.
0: Yes. Not a. Uh, a Poverty Row studio, like the other one was. Yeah, Yeah, more prestigious production. So where would you put Mutiny on the Bounty on your list?
2: Uh, So right now I have Wings still at number one. Started
0: the show with a showstopper. It cannot be dethroned.
2: It will be at some point, I'm sure. Number two, All Quiet on the Western Front. Number three, Cavalcade. Number four, it happened one night. Number five, mutiny on the Bounty. Six, Broadway Melody. Seven, Grand Hotel, and eight, Cimarron.
0: Putting it above Grand Hotel.
2: I know, I know, it's a crime to you, but I, I will hold my ground on this one. I've already changed the, my rating. <sighs> of uh, Grand Hotel i We've already changed once. it once. We
0: don't have it in the budget to change it again. No. It stays.
2: It is not in my mental budget to do it. I, I will, yeah, I will still put Mutiny on the Bounty uh, above Grand Hotel because as much as, as many positive things as I had to say about Grand Hotel, Mutiny on the Bounty still had not more of a plot and a story to me. And that's one thing that I'm, I'm really attached to.
0: An unsatisfying plot, but a plot. All right, my list, number one, Grand Hotel, where it deserves to be. Number two, Cavalcade. Number three, Wings. Number four, All Quiet on the Western Front. And Mutiny in the Bounty comes in at number five. Below that is It Happened One Night, and then Broadway Melody at 90, and Cimarron at 91. Yes, this is the better of the two Clark Gable features we have seen so far.
2: We'll see another one in 1939. Uh, gone with the Wind. Yeah,
0: we will close out the decade with Mister Gable Yay. in our first color film. Yeah, and then it will be another twelve years before we get another color film. <laughs> Anything else to say before we set our set off to sail? <laughs> before we set off to see ourselves?
2: Um, not really. Just uh, the next movie is uh, the Great Ziegfeld. Oh yeah, the
0: one based off the uh, character from Broadway Melody.
2: Yeah, what was his name in the Broadway melody again? Uh, Zanfield. Zanfield, yes.
0: Back to Broadway.
2: Back to Broadway. Hopefully with a better melody.
0: Yeah. All right, until then, thanks everybody for listening.
2: Thank you. See you next time.
0: Bye.
1: Okay, that's it, that's it, that's it.